Hi, I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic and welcome to episode 4 of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And I have to say thanks this week, there's a couple of excellent five-star reviews on iTunes. Emily in Sydney, I'd like to read out her review because it was very nice of her. She said, great podcast. I'm actually a student at the Sydney Irish Language School that Liam mentions in episode one of the podcast. Dioritz from all of us here in Sid. I enjoyed hearing you both chat Asquelga, just like mates would. It's nice to hear your thoughts and suggestions and to get information that is useful to those of us learning to speak Irish from around the world. So Emily, it was really nice and thanks for sending in the email as well. And another thanks to Mary Murphy, that artist, author, and I don't know what else she would call herself. She left a Canadian iTunes review and said, what a charming program. Mary Gurmilamahagat, thanks for listening. If you're loving this new show, I'd much appreciate that you leave a written five-star review for Bite Size Irish Gaelic Podcast on iTunes. Now, today, I'm very honoured to be joined by a very special guest, and his name is Professor Kevin Scanner. Kevin, konasatatu inyov? Tamagabra, gustuhain. Tamagabra, gurmahagat as dhkwedama achavaz. Vitu Elimnach. So we'll continue in English. Chaklor, Chaklor. Vitu Elimnach, Emliana, Nachrev. V, Nibatana, Sanosko. I guess Kadrevaun, a rev to Igmuina, no, just the egg. Yeah, Vimeguna, a skull soury. Mmm. Astrachan, a rivera. Mmm, cool. And yes, so. Kevin is, I have to say, he's been publishing technologies around the Irish language. Over, I know him online, we haven't interacted over that time, but I know him at least the past decade for the stuff he's put out. Very useful stuff like the Firefox Irish spell checker, which I love. So Kevin, we'll go over a bit more about the technologies that maybe learners and others could make use of. But like, you're American, right? You grew up in America, is that right? I did, yeah. I was born in Boston. Boston, okay. And I have to say, you have... Lovely Irish. <laughs> Thank you. So how the hell do you have <laughs> such a beautiful Irish, probably more beautiful, it's safe to say, than 90% of people in Ireland? So how did you get to that point? Bring us back to the start. Oh, sure. Well, for a long time, I wasn't able to speak the language at all. I was deeply interested in it and I studied it out of books. But this is going back to the 90s the early 90s, really, mm-hmm. you know, there was no World Wide Web and there were email lists and things like that. But as a learner, your only exposure to the language was through books and dictionaries, which is not a great way to learn a language. Mm. And I know that firsthand, having tried to do it. <laughs> it's not very fun to read through. But how did you even get that far? Like, okay, the Irish language books, but what got you interested even? Well, so I, I was interested in the language just because of family connections. Okay. So I have Irish grandparents and great grandparents. And it's not entirely clear to me how many of them actually spoke Irish. I had a grandmother from County Mayo, mm. but it sort of skipped a generation. My parents were born 
in the U.S. and didn't know the language at all. I always had some interest in it, but I didn't really start learning it in earnest until I was in my 20s. Hmm. So if when you were growing up, would it have felt like you were an Irish household, like in Boston, or was there much of a connection? Oh, sure. Absolutely, yeah. It was definitely traditional Boston Irish, really identified as Irish-American, like a lot of people in the city. Did it feel like an Irish community, or it depended who your friends were? You know, was it varied, or how was it when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, Boston's a city that's got a mix of people, both Irish-American and then lots of people from Ireland itself. Mm. I moved around a lot, too. So, you know, in my teens, I lived elsewhere in the States and returned when I was 18 to go to university in Boston and had friends in the area who were from Ireland. They didn't always speak Irish, but there were a few with a couple words. And I would quiz them and use them as a resource to learn new bits of Irish. But again, there was really no way to do it at that time. At least there was no way to interact with real native speakers on a regular basis the way you can now by being on the internet. Mm. So you were bringing us back to early, mid-90s. Like, had you tried to take out a book at the library with a CD in it? Or what had you tried to do to learn some Irish? Yeah, that was probably the first serious attempt. I mean, so the book Learning Irish was kind of the standard text. And I don't know what year it was published, probably the late 80s. Mm. So this is actually cassette tapes, not even CDs at that time. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, but I remember walking around with my big old Sony Walkman and, and listening to the tapes from Learning Irish and working on my accent. And it was not the same as conversation. And my first attempts to go over to Ireland and actually try and use the language were incredible failures. <laughs> After having spent, I mean, literally years studying the language and reading dictionaries and books and novels with the dictionary in one hand and the novel in the other hand, I felt like I had a real understanding of the language and I was reading advanced material, but I was not at all conversational. Yeah, I still feel like it's a struggle for me relative to the ability that I have in the language in terms of reading and writing. Conversation is still difficult just because of the odd way that I learned it. Right. And bring me back, like, did you travel to Ireland with kind of the expectation to try out some Irish you had or were you kind of hiding in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say my first trip, I'm probably sort of reserved and shy about using the language anyway. <laughs> so my first couple trips, I was really reluctant to do it. For the most part, people are really welcoming in Ireland when you try and use the language and especially people are comfortable and they know that you're not a fluent speaker. They'll do their best to teach you the little bits that they know. I kind of discovered that after going over a couple times and and then became kind of more outgoing and started spending more time in Conor and the Goyoka Club in Dublin and things like that. Okay. And were you simply visiting or did you like manage to spend like a full summer, for example, in Ireland or? No, I've never spent longer. Even I think probably two weeks is my longest trip. And that makes it hard because there'll be times where I've done summer courses in Connemara and I spend a week. And after the week, it all comes back and I feel like I can make my way in the language. But then I return home and I'll spend, you know, a couple months without using the language at all. And it feels like it's all gone away. I have the advantage that I do get to use it in my job sometimes, interacting with people professionally, oftentimes through Skype. And I do try and listen to the radio and things like that when I'm working. But 
it's still a struggle. Hmm. And is it basically Radio Nagueltach that you'd have running in the background? Yeah, that's it. I'd like to watch TG Kaher more, but it's tough to kind of find the time. With the radio, you can just have it on in the background while you're doing work. So it's an advantage. Yeah, definitely. That's nice. So when you went to Ireland, you've said you've attended courses and over the years. When you started visiting the first couple of times, did you come to attend a specific course or were you just traveling around? First couple of times we're just traveling. And then when I realized that I think the only way I was going to become conversational in the language was to just spend a week or more in the Gaeltacht. So I did the Edges Gael course that's probably going on 10 years ago now and enjoyed it. The year after that, I spent a week in Connemara or Gaharua at a course it's in Akadev and enjoyed that one even more. So I've been back, I don't know, three or four times to the course. They have a week course. It's aimed at Irish citizens who studied the language, obviously in school, and would like to kind of return to the language. So often people kind of my age in their 40s or older, and then people from overseas who have studied the language seriously for many years. So people like me. And those courses have been great because they're aimed at a pretty high level. Mm. Everybody there is already more or less fluent and you're kind of taking the language to the next level. I have to say, I really love the area around Ankharurua. Mm-hmm. When you kind of start to get near to that place, if you're driving in, it's there seems to be a different atmosphere. I can feel it in the air. And then you get to the village or the town and... I remember being there a couple of years ago, walking into the cafe and the comedian Des Bishop was in there getting an Irish lesson (laughs) over coffee, that kind of thing. And uh, you can go to Anchistin, the local bar. And I went in and ordered my pint and served in English. And maybe I I was kind of questioning, is this a Gaeltach or what? So I sat down, not very happy, I'd have to say. So then I heard the guys at the bar talking. And then my ears (laughs) opened up because that was just full on Irish. So that was great to hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had that experience there, too. Occasionally you get somebody who will serve you in English. Yeah. I'm not sure why. It may be I was clearly American and clearly there on a course or something. But yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I've been like in as much rural Gwildacht as can be, for example, in County Kerry, and people coming out of mass, it's obviously the language of the community, right? Mm-hmm. And I walk into the local shop and they say in English, how are you doing? So if they don't even recognize you. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, I think I realized I have to take the initiative and say, or depending on where I am. Right. I'd like to jump into the technology a bit because, for example, so you work in St. Louis University in uh, Missouri. That's right. Have you been based there over the years when you've been developing, for example, Goelspel and Angramador? I have. Yeah, I've been here since 1998. My academic area is actually has nothing to do with Irish or computing even. I do pure mathematics, but Irish for me was sort of a hobby, and that hobby has developed into virtually a full-time job, writing software, developing these resources for Irish and lots of other languages too. Excellent. I'd love that people listening to this, how about we kind of entice them to switch over to use a couple of the tools, right? 
So <laughs> I'm going to link you up to these resources in bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and find episode 004. But for example, I find on Gramador, the web interface really just easy to use. So can you explain what you have there and what a person can do? Sure. So, I mean, it's something that I wrote for myself. So as a learner and somebody whose main input in the language was online through mailing lists and blogs and this sort of thing, I was always uncomfortable and fearful about making grammatical mistakes. And there's a lot to get straight as a learner. And Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> and I'm a computer programmer, so it seemed like a natural thing. I'll just write a program that solves this problem for me. I started probably 10 years ago, 2004, 2005, and I've just added rules. It's based on the rules of Irish and coded in computer language. And you can go to the site and just copy and paste or type a text into a little box and then click, I forget what the button says, but check grammar or something. And it comes back to you with a little report on what it thinks the errors are. Yeah, and it's so smart because I can misspell a word there or maybe put the wrong grammatical formation on it, like a shevu or an oru thrown in. And the tool will find, it will detect what the word is and it tells me, oh, you're using the wrong form of the word. So it's not like it just kind of throws a fit and doesn't understand what I'm trying to say. So it's that leap in understanding that I can go, oh, so that's when I should put that formation, that mutation on the word. So that's really cool. And am I right to say that you wrote the plugin or the add-on for Firefox for spell checking Irish? Yeah, so that's the same word list that kind of underlies all the projects that I do. So the Goyle spell, spell checker, that same word list feeds into the Grammador grammar checker. And it's the same word list kind of delivered in different ways. So the Firefox add-on is great for me since I do all my email through Gmail. You can spell check directly as you type the email. Yeah, excellent. I love it. And how do you go about installing that add-on? What should we look for? What should we search for? Sure. There's a website. It's addons.mozilla.org. Mm-hmm. And on that site, if you, you can just search for Goyle Spell or probably even my name or Irish Spell Checker or something, and it should be the first link. So you have to be running Firefox. And if you're running Firefox, it'll prompt you to install the add-on directly from that site and you just click through and then you're good to go. You may have to restart your browser. Lovely. And uh, tell me, you did a bit of work with Twitter. As far as I'm aware, you traveled to Twitter offices in San Fran. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I had an academic sabbatical two years ago. Even before that sabbatical started, I've been working on projects related to social media and smaller languages, endangered languages. And then kind of randomly got in touch with somebody at Twitter who was interested in the same sort of things and ended up spending some of my sabbatical year working there, visiting San Francisco. So it was indigenoustweets.com, your project, kind of the focus of this on taking it. Is that it? That's right. That project, that's the one that I had done that goes back to March of 2011. The idea of that project is just to let people connect with each other when they speak the same language. A lot of the things that I do are just things that I feel like would be useful for myself. So I joined Twitter and I really wanted to follow people who tweeted in Irish. So you can search around and find some people, but how do you know who's tweeting, say, all the time in Irish or 80 or 90% of the time? 
who are the people who tweet on Irish that have the most followers? All these sort of questions that were impossible to answer. That was kind of the idea behind the site. So it's kind of a one-stop place that you can go and decide who you want to follow and then kind of immerse yourself in the language through Twitter. Yeah, that's excellent. So a wider question then. What do you think about somebody who's maybe not feeling like they're not catching on to learning? They've maybe taken a couple of lessons, but thinking of leaving it or it just seems too difficult to even launch into trying to learn to speak some of our beautiful language. So do you think tools like Twitter, are they good for those people? I mean, they'll follow some people and might not understand any bit. Is that still worthwhile doing? I think so. I mean, I also look at the different skills. So you have reading and you have writing and you have speaking and I guess, and listening and understanding as well. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of reading and writing, I think there's a lot to be gained from using Facebook or using Twitter, other kinds of social media in, in the language. One of the advantages with Twitter in particular, and we've seen this with lots of other languages as well, is that you may have people who are only know little bits and pieces of the language. They may know a few phrases that they've learned, and it's a place where you can use those little bits, right? I mean, you're sort of limited just by the nature of the way the site works to 140 characters. So nobody's asking you to write a whole blog post or a big essay or something like that. You can use the bits that you know. The downside, of course, is that it's a written medium. So again, for somebody like me, who learn the language as kind of a written language, it's kind of suboptimal. Yeah, that's an excellent point, yeah. If what you're really interested in doing is talking to people and having conversations, you can sort of solidify and learn new vocabulary and kind of follow the things that people are talking about in the language, but you don't get to hear the language. I think you have to combine it with other means of input, YouTube or Raja Nagoyal Takta or things like that. Mm, sure. So. At Bite Size Irish Gaelic for, I think, since 2010, we went live and it's a whole bunch of lessons online, but I've always been receiving emails saying, Owen, when are you going to launch uh, some kind of Skype tutoring service? So it's something we're working on right now. We're talking to a couple of teachers and we've launched an email list to announce it. So I still wanted to ask you, like you mentioned earlier on that the internet's a great chance to use or to kind of press your conversational skills, not just reading and writing and comprehension. So apart from a service, a paid service, how can somebody meet up with other learners or native Irish speakers and just speak with them on Skype? Is that possible? I think it's possible. And I was going to make that point. Uh, this is another advantage of even these written media like Twitter and Facebook is that you're still just connecting with people. I have lots of friends that I've just connected with through social media. And then you can kind of take it to that next level and say, hey, we should have a conversation, chat with you on Skype. We have a group of three or four learners here in the US who are all more or less fluent speakers. We get together on Google Plus, Google Hangouts or whatever you call them, which is kind of a nice way to get a group of people together. So we get together once a week and just talk for an hour about whatever. So, yeah, I think there are lots of opportunities and you can start at one level and then move on and connect through spoken medium. Yeah. You said maybe your default approach is you feel like you're a reserved person or to some extent. And I have to say, I feel the same if there's a big group of people, mm -hmm. I'll be 
the last person to be in the center of it, which kind of when we're talking about social media, Facebook, okay, maybe you're just talking, chatting to some friends, but even just on Twitter, it feels like to type in some Irish words, what if you've made a mistake or what will people think? Aren't you putting a lot of faith into just putting yourself out there? I think so, but I, I think you also have to get past that. It's easy for me to say I've gotten past that, but I mean, part of it is by you know creating these tools that made me feel more comfortable using the language online. But at the same time, it's important to recognize that these small mistakes, they don't get in the way of communicating, which is the point at the end of the day. You know, I communicate with people who are learners and they make little mistakes, leave off a shavu or maybe use the wrong word or use a kind of direct translation from English where it wouldn't be appropriate, but I still understand what they mean and I'm still able to kind of continue the conversation. So yeah, I think this is a big problem, especially with Irish, because there are a lot of people who are so focused on the grammar and these little details and nuance bits that they kind of lose sight of the point, which is to communicate with people through the language. I feel that so strongly. And when you read stuff online, you kind of get the extremes of everything, don't you? But you're exposed to these extremes of learners who've done it for 10, 15, 20 years and uh, feel quite strongly that everything needs to be correct. And I fight that so much. So many people who could have started learning, no matter where they are, didn't maybe because of the fear of maybe being a little incorrect or thinking that the grammar is so complex that what's the point in even starting? And it's really about starting. And as you said, putting yourself out there and you only learn from failure, right? That's how you learn to improve yourself. What do you think? Sure. I agree with that hundred percent. And it comes, it comes with time. You know, I still make mistakes, but a lot of the things that I would have agonized over 10 years ago just come completely naturally now. Mm, excellent. I've got one more question for you and it's just a general one on technology and the Irish language, but what do you think about technology does it get in the way of the language maybe or do you see more and more technologies kind of helping learners maybe to meet others no matter where they are what's your feeling about it i think it's a net positive i think there are possibly downsides to technology one of the downsides being that a lot of the software you use and a lot of the websites we use online are through the medium of english and there has to be a lot of work put in to translate software, translate websites, to feel immersed in Irish when you're online. But if you work hard at it, you can do it. If you choose to say, I'm going to have an account on Twitter that I'm just going to follow people who speak Irish, and I'm going to choose to use Firefox in Irish and this and that, you can create sort of a virtual immersed experience for yourself in the language. You combine that with the potential that we have now just for input and exposure to the language that was just not possible 20 years ago, as I talked about before. You know, it's kind of a revolutionary era, I suppose, in, in terms of learning the language, just because of the technology and the opportunities that are available. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And you can feel it online. You can feel it in Ireland, not just to do with technology, but that atmosphere. If you look at T.G. Lurgan, they're absolutely excellent music videos and you can just feel the energy and you can see that 
hey, there's young people there who uh, they're having a great time and using the language. Yeah, just as one point. So, hey, Kevin, we'll leave it there, hey, for now, for this time anyway. So, kahime gurmila mahagot araliat, gurmila magdasta chidama. Falterot. Yeah, and Mata Fanardini, who I'm Shu Erlina. Where should people find you online if they want to see what you've done or maybe even get in contact with you? Oh, sure. My academic homepage is Burrell, so B-O-R-E-L dot slu, S-L-U dot E-D-U. My email address is there, and then there's a link to my page with all my Irish language projects if there are learners that are interested in some of the software. Excellent, yeah. And full respect to the work you've done over the years. So, Kevin... Good And thanks to Kevin for taking his time to be on uh, the podcast today. So just to finish up, to find out more about the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast, go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. Thanks to Tukumo in Japan for providing their tune, The Concertina Reel under a Creative Commons license. That's the music you hear on this podcast. And I'd love to hear from you. So let me know your comments and your questions about Irish heritage and culture and language by email. It's podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. Until the next episode, slán go Bye for now. <laughs>